0: You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. 1 Samuel 14 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, uh, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. In verse number 3, And Ahiah, this is who was also with him, Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas. Uh, the son of Eli, uh, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. Verse number four, And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side, and the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sinan. I think I'm saying that right. Verse number five, the forefront of the one was situate northward over against Mishmash and the other southward over against Gibeah. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would bless as we get into your word this morning. And I'm excited about the topic. I'm excited about um, how your word has already helped me through uh, this study. And I pray that you would help your people as well this morning, help our hearts to be open, receptive, God, whatever you speak to us about, I I pray that we'd make the decision today just to act upon it and to be obedient to your word this morning. I pray that I'd only say things that you'd have me to say this morning and uh, that I would step aside of myself so that we can clearly convey the word of God uh, to your dear people this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. and uh, I'll go ahead and switch over, brother. Thank you. In 1 Samuel 14, we have... In verse number 4, the description of where Jonathan and his armor-bearer have decided to go. The Bible says here, And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Senna. So we have here, literally, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were between, and you've heard this phrase before, Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Between a Rock and a Hard Place. And this morning, I'd like to bring you a message entitled, Between a Rock and a Hard Place. We find uh, this phrase, I was doing some research in the origin of uh, this particular saying, no doubt, maybe you've said it before, we've all heard of it. Um, But the origin is, going back to 1917, there was an occurrence that took place uh, where... um, Bisbee. I, had to, I almost had to refer to, back to my notes because I forget the name of the place. Bisbee, Arizona. Anybody heard of Bisbee, Arizona before? Anyone ever heard of Arizona? Oh, okay, all right, good. And so we have here Bisbee, Arizona. There was a mining company called Phelps Dodge, and they owned different uh, mine shafts and, and different things, and specifically uh, the one that they owned in this area was Copper Queen Mining Company and it was the largest company in the area, and Phelps Dodge, they made it to where they weren't paying their employees very much money. And As a matter of fact, as many times, um, what happens with the mining uh, situation, the conditions were were very poor. And so about 3,000 employees, if you can picture that, 3,000 employees, they said enough is enough. We don't get paid what we should get paid. And not only that, but the working conditions are just terrible, and they came up with a list of demands to give to their employer, and they said, hey, we will not work unless you meet these demands. Well, Phelps Dodge was a massive company, and so even the 3,000 employees, they told them, we're not going to fulfill any of your demands, and so those 3,000 employees went on strike. They, they, they went out of work, they went on strike to try to make their voice heard, but Phelps Dodge made another decision, and and their decision was to team up with the sheriff of that area. Keep in mind, this is back in 1917, and between 1917 and 1919, they performed an illegal deportation to where they removed 1,300 of those workers, and they took them out of the area. Literally, they forced them out of their home. So those miners that were left were now faced with a situation where they were between a rock and a hard place. They could stay with the company and get terrible wages and and terrible living conditions, or they can fight against the company and be illegally deported to a different part of the state and get no money and live in poverty. It was a hard time back in 1917 and 1919. And there was a paper that uh, did a report about it in 1921. The headline read, to be between a rock and a hard place, that's where we first find this phrase, this saying, to be bankrupt common in arizona in recent panics referring to that deportation sporadic in california was the headline maybe this morning you're finding yourself between a rock and a hard place jonathan and his armor bearer they found themselves between a rock and a hard place literally there was a rock on one side and a rock on the other side and uh gabriel i have up there there's a picture at the end of uh those slides there, if you wouldn't mind showing us what that is there, just to kind of give us a picture. Now, I don't trust Google with everything, okay, but Google says this was a picture of Mitchmash where this passageway was, okay, and so it could have been a different part, but just to kind of give us a mental picture now, we have a rock on one side and a rock, and these aren't small rocks, these are cliffs. We have uh, Bozes, which means height or shining, Literally, uh, some sources say that that this was the side of the, the rock face where the sun shone on it, and you would see it glistening. It was a slippery slope. So we can say there was a slippery slope on one side. On the other side, senna, which means bramble or thorny, there was thorn bushes that were growing on the other side. Literally, Jonathan and his armor bearer have put themselves between a rock and a hard place. And maybe you're there this morning. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's family relationships. Maybe it is your job like the miners were facing back in 1917. Maybe it's sin. And you feel like there is no way that I can get out from between this rock and a hard place. This morning, I want to give you some good news from God's word on how Jonathan and his armor bearer got out from between a rock and a hard place. Number one, if you're taking notes this morning, if you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, there must be, number one, an assessment. There must be an assessment. You have to look around and acknowledge your surroundings. You have to acknowledge that, hey, okay, I'm just going to be truthful. Right now, I am between a rock and a hard place. Jonathan, he looks and he sees his home, he sees his, his friends and his family, the nation of Israel, who are shrinking and, and, and uh, they're, they're trembling and they don't know what to do and, and they feel very defeated and they're going into hiding. If you want to look at the verses there, it says in, uh, back in chapter 13, would you look with me in uh, verse number 6, the Bible says, I don't know, go back to verse number 5, the Philistines, in, ver- in chapter 13, verse number 5, the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. I've only read that kind of account in scripture. I, have, I don't know personally, I've never seen a multitude where it was as the sand that is on the seashore, but that, this is the enemy of God. This is the Philistines, they are matching up themselves against the Israelites. And they came up and pitched in Michmash, eastward from beth Aven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait... In other words, what were they saying? They were between a rock and a hard place themselves. For the people were distressed, and the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling... After this situation, we also find that Saul, uh, in order to try to encourage his people, he was supposed to wait for Samuel for seven days. Samuel was the prophet. He was the priest at that time. He was the only one qualified uh, to be able to make a sacrifice to God. And uh, Samuel told specifically to Saul, he said, Saul, I need you to wait seven days, and I will be there, and I will offer a sacrifice for the people. Seven days came and went. Saul got to be a little bit scared himself. And so his excuse to Samuel when Samuel showed up was, Samuel, you didn't come, and, and I got so scared, and the people were already melting away and, and, and going away from battle, and I had to do something, so I forced myself to make the sacrifice myself, which was obviously not something he should have done. Samuel rebukes him and says, because you've done this, God has sought someone that's after God's own heart, and this kingdom of yours will not continue. So King Saul, he's discouraged, <laughs> The people are trembling. They're hiding themselves. Jonathan sees this, and he says, you know what? That's, that's a hard place right there, but I don't want to stay in that hard place. There's an enemy on the other side, but I think there's some opportunity here for God to work, and so Jonathan, he starts to think. He starts to assess. He starts to acknowledge there is something that needs to be done. I cannot stay. We cannot stay as a, as a people. We cannot stay in this situation So something must be done. I love basketball. Anybody else like basketball? Okay. And so basketball, uh, one of my favorite sports, I played it through uh, middle school and and through high school. Um, But uh, I I will say, if I were on a basketball team, and when I got on that court, all I did was close my eyes and ask, ask my teammates not to even... Pretend I'm here. Like, please don't pass me the ball. The, the, the opponents, they're way bigger than us. I'm scared. I'll tell you what. If I had that kind of mindset going into a basketball game, I wouldn't be in the game for very long, okay? I, I need to have uh, uh, th- this mindset of knowing where the opponents are, knowing where my teammates are, having the court vision, being, being a willing participant to try to get something done for our team and to try to win the game. I would be very useless if I just kind of didn't acknowledge what was around me. In seventh grade, I uh, was playing for my middle school on the basketball team. And I wasn't a starter, but I was the sixth man. So I was the first one off the bench when they needed somebody. And uh, so I remember getting in that game. And, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. It, it's my first, like, bigger game. It's seventh grade. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to do my best. And, and uh, I played a little bit in the first half. I went into the second half. And uh, if, if you know rules to basketball, in the second half, they switch sides, right? We, we switch goals. And uh, so we started that second half, and I remember coming in for the second half, and they were inbounding it on uh, it, it would have been the opponent's side, and, and uh, they were going to pass it into me, and they did. There's only one problem: My mind was still in the first half. And uh, so what I I got the ball, they passed it to me, and uh, I thought, man, this, this is exciting. I have the ball. I mean, this doesn't happen often, but I, I have the ball. And so I took that ball, and I went to the goal, and I did a layup, and I missed it. But man, that, that was embarrassing. I grabbed the ball again, tr- tried to quickly put it back up, and I missed it a second time. And by this time, I'm thinking, man, surely the defense would have gotten to this side of the court by now. Surely I would have had some opposition, but here I am a third time trying to lay it up and get two points for my team I put it up a third time And by that time I had a teammate come up and take the ball away from me and say Nathan What are you doing? I was shooting on the wrong hoop No wonder the other team wasn't wasn't fighting against me and trying to take the ball they were cheering me on by then the third time and so we have here, I, I, wasn't very, uh, I wasn't a big advantage for my team at that point in time, and that was a little bit embarrassing for me as a seventh grader, but I guess I've moved on since then. Uh, not by much, but I moved on a little bit, and uh, so if you, if you want me on your basketball team, just let me know. I'll, I'll be a, a big help to you. Um, but anyway, let's assess the situation. You've got to acknowledge, hey, I'm where I'm at right now. I'm between a rock and a hard place. Jonathan. He was honest with himself, and he said, man, we've got to do something about this. So we find in number, uh, number two, if you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, and, and you can take the picture off now. That would be fine. Thank you, Gabriel. Number two, you must have aspiration. Aspiration. Look with me in verse number six of chapter 14. The Bible says, And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these, uh, these uncircumcised It may be, I I underline this in my Bible because I love it. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Oh, man, what, what a great outlook. Jonathan, he had some aspiration. He said, hey, I see the rocks. I I see the thorny side on this side. I see the slippery side on this side. I see the army of Israel trembling and hiding in caves and holes and rocks on this side. And I see the enemy on this side. But I see more than the enemy past the rocks and past the enemy. I see an opportunity for God to work. And it may just be that God will step in if we just step out. And so Jonathan had some aspiration. He was excited. He He was willing to risk it all, him and his armor bearer. Just to see what God will do. I wonder if we have anybody here at Victory Baptist Church this morning. You find yourself in a a difficult spot. That phrase, between a rock and a hard place, it literally means that there's no desirable outcome. You feel like on on the left hand, there's a bad solution. On the right hand, there's a bad solution. And there's there's no way that this is going to work out. You're in a dilemma. But my friend, you're not thinking in God's terms because God says, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And when God is put into the equation, it's amazing what he'll do, even though the odds are stacked against you. There was a a sea of people ready to fight against the Israelites, and Jonathan and his armor bearer aspired to see what God would do. Could I ask you this morning, whose lens are you looking through? You take someone's glasses that are not your own. Maybe you don't even have glasses. And you say, hey, let me try those on. And you put them on. You're thinking, good night. You're as blind as a bat. How can you see through these things? Some of you take the glasses and you're like, man, it seems much clearer now. Maybe I should go see the eye doctor. But you're looking through a lens and maybe you do have those, they call them the Coke bottle glasses. They're so thick. I mean, you put them on and, and you can't see a thing. It's so blurry. And you're thinking, how in the world can you even see in front of you? And sometimes that's how we're looking at life. We're looking at a situation, we're between a rock and a hard place, and, and we find ourselves in that very situation where, Lord, everything is so blurry, I can't make out anything. As a matter of fact, I can't even see the next step to take. And then we find an example like Elisha said to his servant in 2 Kings chapter 6, and verse 17. When the, the enemy had surrounded them, they were literally uh, li- literally around the, the, the whole town there, ready to take Elisha and his servant captive. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. His servant thought, Surely we are going to die. We are outnumbered. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Roundabout Elisha. You know who that was? That was the army of the Lord. Man, God had everything taken care of. The problem was Elisha's servant wasn't using the right lens. And when God opened his eyes, it was amazing the clarity that was there for that young man and for Elisha. We have to have some aspiration if we're going to get out of that rock and the hard place. Number three. I want to take note here in verse number 7. Would you read it with me? Or you can follow along here. You don't have to read it with me. But the Bible says, And his armor-bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Number three, aren't you thankful for acquaintances? Aren't you thankful for a friend where you don't have to be by yourself in this fight? I mean, there is someone who says, hey... That plan that you have, you want to go over there and you want to see God do a victory? Hey, buddy, I'm with you. As a matter of fact, my heart is with your heart. Whatever God has put in your heart, I want to help you, and I want to see it through just like you do. Aren't you glad for godly influences and friends? Aren't you glad for when you got saved and you had that, Christian, that first Christian friend come and say, Hey, let me help you. I want to be your friend. And, uh, and since then, it's iron sharpening iron, as Proverbs says. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. He had a buddy. Let's not take for granted those that are there to support you and to help you. Can you accomplish something for God even when you're all by yourself? Absolutely. You sure can. You stand for God, and he's going to be faithful to answer whatever situation you're in. But I tell you what, is it more encouraging when you have somebody with you that says, hey, I'm going to help you with that. What you want to do for God, I want to do that with you. And that's always more encouraging, obviously. I have uh, Michael, who's our oldest son. Um, He's five. And then Emma, our middle uh, child here, who's going to turn four at the end of June. They are their best buddies at times. And then at times they, they fight like cats and dogs. You know how it is, brother and sister. And uh, it's amazing watching them. And, uh, you know, we have to be parents sometimes and tell them, like, clean up your room. And we have uh, all the toys out in the garage, and that's their playroom. And so uh, sometimes, uh, Miss Grace, my wife, and, and, um, and myself, we, we would instruct them, all right, it's, it's a pigsty out there. It's a mess. Go out to the garage and, and clean up a little bit. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing if, if they don't want to clean up. And they don't have a desire to clean up, even though they should as obedient children. But if they don't want to, it's amazing how long it takes. Michael, you know, he says, okay, well, mom said to clean the, the, the garage, so let's do it. And then Emma's off playing. And so he doesn't want to clean up because Emma's not cleaning up. They have an influence on each other. But it's amazing if Michael and Emma, and, and even Emma sometimes even more now, When she gets a drive to clean up, I mean, she goes ballistic. I mean, she she will clean up everything in the house. And it's amazing when you have two minds working together and two hearts with the same purpose, they can get a job done pretty fast. And that's the same thing with us. And I'm thankful for friends in my life that have come alongside me and, and we've sharpened each other and, and we've, we've drawn closer to God because of our relationship and encouraging one another to fulfill what God has for our lives. I'm thankful for the acquaintances, and I'm sure Jonathan was as, as well. Number four, I see arrangements. If you want to get between, uh, out from between a rock and a hard place, you have to make arrangements. We find that in verse number eight. Look with me. The Bible says, Then said Jonathan, behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign Unto us, You know what Jonathan was doing? He said, hey, I can see an opportunity here, and so I'm going to make plans. You want to get out of this situation we're in, this strait that we find ourselves in? We've got to make plans. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail, is what they say, and it's true. You've got to make preparations. Hey, God wants to bring a victory in your life, but it takes effort from you to get the job done. We have freedom in this country. I'm thankful for those that have fought in our armed forces and they have preserved the freedom. And I'm thankful uh, Memorial Day weekend and Memorial Day tomorrow, I'm thankful that we have some that were willing to lay down their life and give the ultimate sacrifice to preserve the freedoms that we can enjoy today. You know who's preserved it for us? God has. God has blessed our nation and God has allowed us to preserve the freedom that we can enjoy today. But do you know who he used to preserve the freedom? He used those soldiers. He used those that that were willing to give their life for the cause of our country. And they were willing to put forth the effort. And they were willing to sacrifice themselves so that we can live the lives we do today. And the same is true. If we're going to get out of a situation that, that we may be in between the rock and the hard place, we have to make plans. We have to take the steps that God has us to take. We're not robots, folks. God doesn't just possess us and, and then make us do His will for Him. God puts it in our heart. He shows us the opportunities, and He promises that He'll be with us. He'll help us. He'll allow us to see the victory that He will give us. But it takes our participation. It takes us making plans and preparations, and God will bless that. In Proverbs 16, verse 1, the Bible says, "...the preparations of the heart and man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord." All the ways of man are cleaner in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Make preparations. God'll direct your path. God will help you see clearly. That's what, exactly what Jonathan did. He made some arrangements. Number five this morning. Look with me at verse number, th- uh, not three. 11 kind of far off there here we go verse number 11 the bible says and both of them so we had the plan and now in verse number 11 let st- stand back from the pulpit a little bit more okay verse number 11 it says and both of them discovered themselves into the garrison of the philistines and the philistines said behold the hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves <laughs> the enemy knew exactly where israel was they were hiding they were afraid they were trembling Verse number 12, And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. It was there that number five we find after the the arrangements are made and after they go forth and, and they discover themselves just like the plan was that God gave them affirmation. They gave them confirmation. He said, hey, um, you take that step and and, and you follow through with your plan. And if God says that that they want us to come up to them, God's delivered them into our hands. And when they did that and when they were obedient and they saw that sign that God was going to be with them and that God was going to give them the victory, they said, hey, this is it. Here's our green light. Let's go. God gave them a green light. And uh, just just for a lesson, uh, for those distracted drivers out there, a green light means go and so when god gives you a green light you go right you go there's affirmation there god gave them what they needed to see to know that god was going to be with them number six so the green light is on they go number six is action you know what you do to get out from between a rock and a hard place here it is you climb out you want to get out then get out And God's going to help you with it. In verse number 13, here it is. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within as it were in half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. There was the action. They did what God wanted them to do And God brought the victory. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You make all the plans, that's great. And you should make plans. You should prepare. But a lot of people go to that step, but they never actually implement the plan. They they have great plans. As a matter of fact, everyone's giving them a round of applause. Those are some great plans that you have to do for the Lord. But yet they never pull the trigger. They never do it. And so we as, as Christians, God's people today, if you're going to get out from between a rock and a hard place, you've got to. When God gives you that green light, you go. You go. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Number seven, and this is the second to last point to give you a little bit of hope and we'll wrap it up. Number seven, look with me at verse, uh, verse 15 here. So they, they fought against 20 men, two against 20. Those aren't good odds, but yet God, God helped them. It says in verse 15, And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison, and the spoilers. They also trembled, and the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. Who's trembling? The enemy. Who was trembling before? God's people. They were trembling. They were hiding themselves. They didn't see the victory. But now, Jonathan decides to take a stand. He, he decides to get up out of that rock in the hard place, and he sees God deliver in a way that only God can do. And now, who's trembling? The enemy is trembling. What an amazing thing. It mentions there that the spoilers were trembling. The Philistines would send out spoilers to uh, the Israelites, and they would take away their weapons. They would take away anything that they could use to fight against the Philistines. The Bible even says uh, that uh, in verse 19 of chapter 13, there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. You know what they did? They had farming tools. And they even had to go into enemy territory just to get their farming tools sharpened. But those spoilers that took away all the weapons, they were the ones trembling now. Because Jonathan decided to take a stand with his armor bearer. Number seven, I'd like to point out, and we're going to go to verse 20. There was an affection. Affection. A better word is probably infection. But I had to come up with an A to follow through the outline. So we have affection. The people were affected by what Jonathan and his armor-bearer did. Look with me at verse 20. The Bible says, "...and Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. There was a confusion among the enemy. They were beating down their own selves." In verse 21, "...moreover the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites." that were with Saul and Jonathan. Verse 22, likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in the battle. There was an affection. They were affected by seeing what Jonathan and his armor bearer did. You know what they did? They joined the fight. And I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I can guarantee you maybe there there is a situation in your life that you have no idea why God has allowed you to go through it. As far as you know, you're right with the Lord. You're you're doing what God wants you to do, but you're just confused and you don't know why God has allowed a situation in your life. Could I say this? God might have allowed that situation in your life because there is somebody else in this room that is going through the same thing. There is somebody else that maybe it's a friend of yours. Maybe it's a family member. They're going through the same exact thing. And you know what they're looking for? They're looking for somebody else that they can relate to. They're looking for somebody else. They're thinking right now, man, I'm stuck. I mean, this is my life. I am stuck. I'm between a rock and a hard place for the rest of my life. There There is no hope in sight. And then they see you climbing out of that same situation. And they see how God gave you the victory. And you know what they're thinking now? If God can do it for them, he can do it for me too. And you know what that is? It's, it's an affection. They see what God can do in someone else's life. They can relate and they, they can say, hey, because they can do it with God's help, I can do it too with God's help. All these, all these people who were hiding, they were trembling. They had no idea what the Philistines were going to do next. Now they're coming out bold. They're coming out brave. And they're joining the fight because of Jonathan and his armor bearer taking that first step to see God start to win that victory for them what an amazing thing you can be that one person that somebody needs for the encouragement to keep on living for God will you take that opportunity Jonathan wasn't just thinking about himself in this situation he had his people in mind God can use your decision to be bold for Christ to bring someone else to him as well number eight and we'll be done I see the acclamation look at verse 23 so the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto beth Aven. The Lord, not Jonathan, but the Lord saved Israel that day. You know, when God gives you a victory in your life, you know what we should do as God's people? Acknowledge who actually got the victory in your life. Be quick to give him the praise. Who's worthy? He is worthy. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, you're the reason I live. You're the reason I have a victory. You're the reason, as the Walker family was singing... You're the reason I can live in Canaan's land. You're, you're the reason I can live in Canaan now because I can live a victor, victorious Christian life, not because of my abilities, not because of what I can do in my life and what I've put together in my life, but it's because of what Jesus has done in me and through me, and I can live in victory over those rocks and hard places. It's the acclamation, it's the praise. All praise goes to Him. He's the one worthy. Nobody in this situation could take credit. It was only God. Jonathan was used. But it was very clearly that God was the one who brought the victory that day. You know, maybe you found yourself in between that rock and a hard place. But can I encourage you today? God can help you get out of that. There is hope for you. Just apply what, Jonathan's, what Jonathan did through his word. Good night. We, we can see what God can do through a life if you're just willing to obey the opportunities that God has given to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Could I just be honest with you this morning? You right now are between a rock and a hard place. Without the Lord, there is no hope for you. There is nothing in this world that can get you out of that pit. But that's why God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus was willing to bring down that ladder. Jesus was willing to say, hey, I am the bridge that can get you from that rock in the hard place into victory side. I, I I can assure you that eternal life is waiting for you if you go by the way of the cross. If you're a sinner today, you're just being honest. And I'm honest this morning. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. We're not perfect. We're not God. And God loves us so much that he wasn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so you don't have to stay in that pit. You don't have to just accept your fate and say, well, I guess I'm a sinner. I guess I'm just going to, you know, die and go to hell one day. Um, Well, technically, yes. But there's a way out, folks. There's a way out because Jesus was willing to take your spot. He was willing to take your sin and your shame, and he placed it on himself, and he bore your sin for you so that that payment that, that was hell, that payment that you deserve to pay, he paid it for you. He allowed you to get out from between a rock. In a hard place. If you're here without Christ this morning, today is the day of salvation. Don't leave church today without knowing for sure that heaven's your home. Don't stay in that rock in the hard place. Get out, allow Jesus to have victory in your life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Koburnack. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at VBCRR.org.